Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Melanie Lockhart, host of the Mental Health and Wealth Show, author of Dear Debt, and also founder of Lola Retreat, a women and money event. I actually got introduced to the Boss Up community a few years ago because I spoke at one of the boot camps here in Los Angeles, and it was fantastic and such a lovely opportunity to connect with so many ambitious women. And I'm so excited to be back today to share a little bit about my debt repayment story and then also how you can improve your relationship with money. So let's dive deep into a few years ago. It's 2013. And I started my blog, Dear Debt, to hold myself accountable in the debt payoff process, paying off $81,000 in student loans. So the premise of the blog was really about breaking up with debt. You know, kind of like Dear John letters, I was writing these Dear Debt letters with these breakup letters to debt because I wanted to share the fact that I was so over these draining, toxic, and shameful relationships with debt. Like, I was just tired of this, you know, feeling of being in a relationship that is no longer serving me. So, you know, while it was so much fun to write these breakup letters to debt, it's now been actually five years since I paid off all my debt, $81,000. And right now I'm focusing on improving my relationship with money and growing my wealth. So I wanted to share a little bit about how I'm doing that and how you can improve your relationship with money too. So, you know, instead of writing breakup letters these days, I'm actually writing love letters to money. So, you know, similar to dear debt, I'm so over you. This is over. Bye. I'm writing letters to money like dear money i'm so excited to have you in my life i'm so excited that you are here i'm grateful for you every single day i know that sounds kind of weird maybe that feels icky or woo woo but here's the thing oftentimes we think of money as this stressful thing that can lead to guilt and shame and anxiety and many of us have a negative money mindset and have these associations with money that quite frankly just don't serve us anymore like Think about the money messages you received as a child or in your culture or in your family or with your friends, right? Maybe like me, you grew up thinking that rich people were greedy or that money was evil or gross or dirty. But here's the thing. Money is just a tool. I want you to hear that again. Money is just a tool. It has really no meaning to it in and of itself. It's just, we ascribe all of these feelings and these emotions to it. So I had to address all of these money mindset blocks before I was actually able to take action on my debt because I had these thoughts like student loans are the good debt and everybody has debt. And while those might not be bad thoughts for you, for someone like me, it was causing me a lot of pain and anxiety because I wanted my debt to be gone so bad, but I just kept saying, but everyone has it and these are the good debt. And that's really what kept me stuck. So I had to shift my relationship. So, you know, if you want to really cultivate a loving, healthy relationship with money, then you want to be able to express your love and your joy with what money actually brings you. So I want you to think about, you know, what if you did have a relationship with money? If, if money was a person, 
Would you want to date them? Would it be a healthy long-term relationship? Would it be a situation type thing? <laughs> would it be, you know, someone you'd want to dump? Would, would money want to dump you? <laughs> it's really, you know, important to think about how you show up in a relationship with money and if it would actually be something healthy that would be, you know, adding to your life. So anyone who's actually been in a relationship, you know, you know that expressing gratitude and sharing a compliment can really go a long way. So I'm suggesting you do that with your money. So take an inventory of all the things that money provides you. Let's say money pays your rent. Money buys your food, money buys your childcare, money buys uh, your pets and your pet food and your clothes and your hot water, right? Money can buy all of these things that we just kind of take for granted, right? And I also want you to ask yourself, has money been able to support someone else's employment or someone's business? Or maybe you can use it to support your favorite charity or organization, have you used money to buy back time, you know, whether it's through Uber or Postmates or Lyft or Instacart, any kind of way that makes your life easier? I want you to write all of these things down and write a love letter, you know, dear money, and really express all the joy and gratitude and things that money actually provides you. Because then instead of focusing on not having enough and how much stress and tension money is bringing you, then you can really acknowledge what you're getting out of the relationship and why it's important to you. Another tip I want to recommend is stopping the comparison game. I know it's much easier said than done. And everywhere we look, there's social media, there's Instagram, there's Facebook. We see people all the time and we're comparing ourselves, but comparison is the thief of joy. And so if we're constantly comparing other people, then we're not really running our own race. We're just looking at the person next to us. The thing is, we don't really know anyone's backstory. So maybe we see someone with a nice car, nice clothes, they're on vacation. We're starting to make all these assumptions about how they live, but we don't know. Maybe they're in $200,000 worth of debt. Maybe they have a horrible credit score of like 400, 500. Maybe they earn a ton of money, but they don't know how to manage it and have literally nothing to show for it in their bank account. We don't know any of this information. And the point is, is that we must run our own race and not compare because we don't have the information to compare. And even if we did, it's not fruitful. The only person you really want to compare yourself with is your former self. So are you making the progress that you want? You can track your net worth, your debt repayment progress, track your budget each month, the expenses you have, all while still running your own race. So even if you don't meet the mark, you can still celebrate the fact that you're making progress and you're keeping your eye on the goal. So I definitely recommend, you know, stop the comparison game, check in with the metrics that you want to be measuring because, you know, remember what gets measured gets managed and really focus on your growth and your comparison and always lead with curiosity and compassion. You know, you really want to put the focus back on you as well as your money so that you can improve your relationship with money because comparing yourselves to others is a complete distraction and distraction moves you away from focus once again ditch the comparison and focus on your relationship with money and so something else that i commonly see with the mental health and wealth show and everyone that i've talked to through the money management check-ins and coaching is that financial anxiety can creep up so often. And it's because we have this idea that we don't have enough. And you can ditch financial anxiety by redefining what enough actually means to you. So maybe we feel like we don't have enough saved or we don't have enough invested. We don't earn enough or we're just generally behind. You know, these feelings are completely valid, but they may not be true. So in other words, you're allowed to feel what you want to feel, but your feelings are not facts. 
So sometimes when we have these difficult emotions pass through us, it's important to recognize what it is, to name it, and then just to let it pass, right? Emotions are fleeting, you know? When you're happy and then you're sad, emotions come and go all the time. And the same thing can happen with financial anxiety. You can just let it sit in your body. I know it's uncomfortable. You can try to stretch through it, exercise through it, breathe through it, and let it pass. But also for our mindset, we can start redefining what enough is. And I know that can be so difficult because ambitious women like you and me, you know, we want to aspire to more, we want to reach higher goals, but it's really important that we reframe our thinking so that we can mitigate financial anxiety. So I want you to ask yourself, what if I already have enough? I interviewed Ken Honda, the author of Happy Money on my podcast, The Mental Health and Wealth Show. And he had a quote that was just so you know, revolutionary for me. And he said, if you think you have enough, you do. Notice the word think. If you think you have enough money, you do. And it just really dawned on me that so much of this work really relates to mindset. And once I just repeated that phrase to myself, I felt so much of my financial anxiety just dissipate because I was like, yeah, I have a roof over my head. I have food to eat. I have a a bed to sleep in. I have employment. I feel like I do have enough in this moment. And given everything that has happened this past year, it's just so important that we're reminded to see what we have right in front of us. What can we be grateful for? And we realize that many of us actually do have enough. So can we strive for more and want more? Of course, absolutely. But we can totally ditch that feeling of not having enough because at this point with where we're at with everything in the world, if you have food, if you have shelter, if you have a bed, if you have safety, if you have your health, That is huge and you completely have enough in this moment. And so another mantra that I love to use is I have enough in this moment. I have enough in this moment. The last tip that I wanted to give you is to also watch your spending habits. So I host money management check-ins with people at the end of the month where we go through and check your net worth. We also check expenses. And so something that I recommend doing is to go through your previous month's expenses and put a smiley face, a sad face, or a neutral face next to each expense. So sometimes we end up spending money pretty carelessly without thinking if we're actually using our money in a way that brings us joy, makes us feel good, or if it's really even something we want, right? Sometimes we're just on autopilot and it feels like, do I even really need to be spending money on this? This is one of the beautiful things about the money management check-ins is once you really review, oh, look at all these sad and neutral faces. These purchases really didn't make me happy and they didn't add anything to my life. And so when you see you know, those expenses with the sad and the neutral faces, I want you to see, can you cut back or eliminate those expenses completely? And also look at the stuff that's bringing you happiness. Maybe you keep those budgets as they are, and then maybe you even increase them if it brings you joy. But the point is you want to try to lessen the amount of sad and neutral faces that you have in your expense book. And on top of that, I think it's really important that you check out your spending triggers. So a spending trigger is a feeling, a situation, or a location that encourages you to spend. For example, my spending triggers are hunger and fatigue. So if I've had less than six hours of sleep, or if I'm super starving and can't even possibly have the energy to cook or even think about food, I tend to spend carelessly because I'm getting on Postmates, you know, I'm getting the venti coffee at Starbucks maybe once or twice a day. And so I just know that I'm going to spend more money when I'm hungry and tired. And instead of just 
letting that be the way it is. Now that I know that it's a trigger, I work really hard bringing snacks with me wherever I go. For example, when we were traveling before, I would always bring a granola bar and a banana to the airport because whenever I would have a flight at 6 a.m., I'd be starving and then I'd spend like $20 at Starbucks at the airport because it's overpriced because I'm starving. So working on your spending triggers is super important because then you can actually come up with an action plan to move forward and to spend less, right? So what I recommend is getting a spending journal and writing down how you feel when you spend money and you'll probably start to see some patterns. So on the other hand, you may feel like you already know your spending triggers instinctively and you just need to take the next step to be mindful about it and create an action plan to avoid those triggers. So definitely journal, whether you know them, think about ways that you can improve your spending triggers. So I know this is so much information and that improving your relationship with money is not easy. And I know it will not happen overnight either. So I just want you to be kind, compassionate with yourself, realize that this work is a work in progress. But the main things are to be mindful of your money, be mindful of your spending triggers and redefine what having enough is for you while also showing gratitude to your love and your money. If you want more information about how to improve your relationship with money, check out Dear Debt the blog or book, attend a money management check-in, or you can check out my podcast, The Mental Health and Wealth Show.